this morning from Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Again, I say good morning, and it's a privilege to uh, be here to preach the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ to you all. If uh, some of you are uh, kind of on the edge and you're not sure whether you're Christian, uh, I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you today to think about that, because... um, After this life, there's glory with Christ. But apart from Christ, there's nothing. There's misery and hell. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. Uh, The Word of God says this. Many people would love to say that, well, we're not really sure if there is an afterlife. I hear that all the time. Okay, if there is, great. If not, we just die. God has revealed that there is a life after death. And it's only two ways. There's no purgatory. There's, there's no coming back. I heard people saying, well, perhaps I'll be able to come back and try again. Sure. There's only one life. In the flesh. Then comes judgment. If you're in Christ. You will not be condemned. You will be brought to him. And his glory forever. If you're not in Christ. You will be judged. For the scripture says. Every human being. That has ever been born. Must give an account. To God of what he. Or she has done. In the flesh. How do you like that one? So, it's serious. Uh, This morning, I I picked this particular um, um, passage in Philippians uh, when Pastor John says, you're going to do prayer part two. Okay, I'll do prayer part two. Here I am. Uh, I picked this passage because uh, just what Pastor John has been uh, preaching about Prayer is vital, and it's everything to the Christian life. And so the reason I picked this is we got to get over this hump that Paul is speaking about, okay, about being fearful and anxious, because all those things distract the power of prayer and the effectiveness of prayer. And also know this, that we can't pray anything unless we're under the power of the Holy Spirit, as you're going to see this morning. It's the Holy Spirit that prays through us. You need to be born again 
If you're born again, Christ reigns in you. And with Christ comes the power of the Holy Spirit. So without Christ, you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I hope I could encourage those of you that, that are still shady about things. Those of you that are believers, get excited. Get excited. Get excited about the fact that Christ lives in you right now. And he lives there forever. And he gives you the assurance of eternal life. Because you have believed in him. It's not about your works. It's about his righteousness that has cleansed you of your sins. And it's his righteousness that brings you in reconciliation with the Father so that you can live in the kingdom of God forever. Notice the scriptures I just said. First, you must be in Christ. And with that, you have the Holy Spirit. Second, you must set your mind and heart first on the kingdom of God. That's what I just read a little while ago. Well, now we're going to kind of look through this and see what else uh, Paul himself is saying and the Holy Spirit through him. So, to begin with, notice uh, that Paul, wherever there's a therefore, you know, in verse 1, even though we didn't didn't read that, uh, you've got to understand that that, uh, Paul is carrying pretty much the same message that Jesus did. You see, you heard some of Jesus has a lot to do with. Don't fear this, don't fear that. But you're going to see also that Jesus has uh, this, these, these beautiful passages on, on what it means to be joyful as a Christian. We have to be joyful because of what God has done by his grace and by the fact that he has loved us first. He cares about his creation. I, I mean, even the whole creation. It's fallen, but he most especially cares about you and me who are made in his image. We're made in his image. How wonderful that is. And so you don't want to have a lost image in the next world of eternity. You want to have a restored image so that you can live with God forever. So that's my mission today, the second part of prayer. Um, so, so Paul always says, you know, he's, he's so excited. He goes, oh, my brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown. Isn't that beautiful? Paul, my joy. The people are his joy and his crown. So he tells us to stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast in the Lord. And he begins with, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. But you know, before I get to that verse, I want to step back a little bit in three, because this is an important uh, uh, entrance into four. I want you to listen to this. The scripture says, okay, we set our minds not on earthly things like the pagans and the Gentiles do. Rather, we are aware in verse 20, 320, that we are citizens, our citizenship is in heaven 
from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, as a Christian, if you want real assurance, it's not only that you're saved, okay, and that you will be with the Lord because you believe in Him and you allow Him to come into your life, but it's also that you are first and foremost a citizen of heaven, not a citizen in America or Italy like my parents, <laughs> or wherever, uh-huh, wherever you come from. Your first citizenship as a Christian is heaven, uh, where the Lord Jesus Christ at this minute is glorified there, where he is putting down all of his enemies, all of his enemies, and ours here on earth, and in the heavenlies. Isn't that wonderful? Now, he already conquered through the cross and resurrection the prince of this dark world. But the mystery is he's still running around before Jesus comes in the second coming, making havoc upon the earth, gathering his disciples of darkness. So you see, the wicked are still here, and they're against God and against you and me. I wouldn't even want to be a friend, whether they're Christian or not. I mean, they, if they're not Christian, uh, I, 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 I don't really like hanging around with wicked people, do you? Not at all. But they exist. And they're fueled by the devil. Trust me. And so what you see going on in the world is nothing new. It's, it's the devil trying to destroy what Christ won for. But he can't do it. With Christ having come into the world, he has basically brought back what was his in the beginning. In Colossians, we're reminded that when God the Father created uh, all things, he created it in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, that's a mystery, but a beautiful mystery. I treasure that. And so when I look at, because I I love trees and birds and all that, when I see them eating each other, I I cry. You know, I don't, (laughs) someday it's all going to be wonderful. But see, you've got to understand, it'll be wonderful someday. But it won't be here. You know, it's, but, but that's so wonderful that, that uh, the, the original creation was that the Father would glorify His Son by bringing all things that were nothing into something. And that's when the light and the life came into the world. And that's why we look at Jesus as when He says, I am the way and the life and the truth. I am it. I'm not pointing to you, to it. I am it. Because he was from the beginning. And so what's beautiful is Jesus Christ is reclaiming his creation. Reclaiming it through his death and resurrection. And he's reclaiming you and me by giving us a new birth. A righteousness that comes from him. And a citizenship in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? That's what he's doing. But you see, we have responsibility. 
he did it, we have it. Now, what are we going to do about it? The word of God today is trying to show us very clearly that we have some work to do here. Okay, so that we're right in line with Christ, right in line, giving glory to the Father, glory to the Son, and the Holy Spirit that reigns in us, and that is holding back evil until Jesus Christ comes again. There will be evil. There will be antichrists all throughout history. And we don't know the day or the time that Jesus is coming. But what does he say in the scripture? It says, okay, we, we need to be steadfast until he comes. It's none of our business to predict when he's coming. Okay, even though things are pretty bad now, most people are saying, okay, Jesus is coming. I'd like to think so. You would too. But guess what? All throughout history, we've seen ups and downs. Okay? There has been evil in the world so bad, but then it turns around and God reforms it again and gives us... uh, Because God the Father and Jesus are not finished with the creation. There are many souls, my brothers and sisters, that need to be saved through the gospel. And it will not end until God collects all those who were chosen from the foundation of the world. And they will be gathered together, and then the end will come. So don't get anxious about the end. You know, I have experienced that when my wife, my my life, I'm going to say my wife, (laughs) sorry. When my life is very difficult, I really hope that... Not my wife. I said my life. See? It took her away. When my life is very difficult, and you have this experience too, when your life is difficult, you, you, you're hoping that Jesus Christ would come soon. But you know, you, you really have to have a, a, a big heart and this is what a big heart, and know that that's kind of selfish because the Lord is still gathering all the saints. Some of them haven't even been born yet. You understand? Some of them are your children. And some of them have not yet been born. And God is going to save them too if they are the elect that God has brought together. So that's the beauty of it. We don't want to be anxious about that. So to, to, uh, to, to really understand this, that if our citizenship in heaven were away, look at what's going to happen in 21. This is still 321. This is going to happen. Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body? according to the working by which he is able to even do, subdue all things to himself. See, Christ has been given the power from the Father to bring all things together in him. And therefore, we as Christians are not only citizens, but we are waiting for the day that our bodies will be transformed into glory. 
That's Pastor John's favorite. Glory. <laughs> and it should be yours too and it is mine too. So that, that, that is beautiful. But you know, in order for us to really understand that too, uh, we, we need to, to go to uh, 1 Corinthians, just basically I'll say what, what that says. It says basically that, that because we're Christians, we do not focus on temporal things, my friends. Oh, we have to in order to live, but our focus where our mind and heart should be, as you're going to see, should be focused not on these present temporal things, but we're supposed to be focusing on eternal things. That's what we do as Christians. And I'm going to tell you, see, you see the frame of mind and the frame of the heart that God wants us to have. If, if you're obedient to these things and you trust God, you're going to find that, that you, he will be always with you in time of trouble. He, it, doesn't mat, it doesn't matter what the circumstances. You have a, we all have a lot of personal circumstances in our life okay, that we're concerned about. And rightly so. God is concerned about those circumstances too. But what he wants to teach you is believe in me that no matter what the circumstance, I am there. I am there to protect you, to love you, to nurture you. Okay? I have given you the Holy Spirit. I've given you my son. If I could give you my son and give you the Holy Spirit, then believe that what I give and what I say is yours, despite the circumstances. So everybody in this church today has all their personal, I was going to say problems or challenges. But let me just say this. You keep searching, growing in Christ, growing in the word, and believing that what God says is for me. What you don't want to do when you go to prayer is make a bargain with God. Well, God, you know, I've been waiting. I haven't heard anything. I've, I've heard some people say, well, you know, I, I used to pray more, but, you know, I, I just I don't, maybe God doesn't want to really answer some of my prayers. So that, that kills the prayer life. No, I'm going to tell you something. If you truly believe what God says today in all of these scriptures then you can count on the fact that he will answer you, but he will do it in such a way that you can be surprised. And he's going to do it in his time, not your time. That's the problem with us. We want it now because we, we're tired of being of suffering and going through tribulations. Do you remember when I preached in Romans 5 last time? It says, you know, suffering, tribulation, it's all part of What? Building character, holy character. That's why we, pers- we need to persevere. And we do. We become better Christians. You know, we become more compassionate and merciful to each other. And we also become more merciful and compassionate to unbelievers. Do you understand that? Even to your enemies. Isn't that wonderful? Why? Because God is training you. He's disciplining you in a good sense like a father does 
so that you can produce fruit for him and for yourselves. That's what he looks for. So there it is. We need to rejoice always again, he says. Keep on rejoicing no matter what the circumstances. And one other thing I wanted to say, because I got a lot to say. I hope you're all listening. (laughs) Joy or rejoicing is not happiness. And I have to come over here and tell everybody. It's not happiness. That's, that, that's a secular term. It's a pagan term. Okay? Uh, one of the things that I got really upset about years ago is when a preacher got up and said that the Beatitudes are happy attitudes. I thought, oh my God, I'm going I'm, I'm to get out of here. <laughs> happy attitudes. No. The Beatitudes are not happy attitudes. Because you know, I would challenge that preacher and say, well, when Jesus says, when they, when they, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I, I want to I read it as it is. You tell me if this is a happy attitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile, persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you for my sake. Rejoice. You see that? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven and so too they persecuted the prophets before you. Do you see? Joy to Jesus is is uh, knowing that no matter what they do to you, you still have that joy. You're going to even have a greater joy because you suffer for the kingdom. Do you get the idea? So tell me, is that a happy attitude? People run for that. They're not looking to to, to be uh, persecuted. But we know that if the Lord puts us in a, part of our life where we will be persecuted even more heavily than we are, we have to have this attitude in mind. We have to have this attitude in mind. The Lord is being glorified through my life. I will give all to my Lord. He's my Savior. He saved me. And uh, I'm ready to whatever he wants me to endure. Well, anyway, so you see, there it is. And then he goes on to say, let your gentleness, in verse 5, be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. See, now it's important to know that the Lord is always at hand. Okay, just don't get too anxious because you, you know, it may not be in your lifetime. But you must always, as a Christian, look forward to the Lord's coming. And if he comes in your lifetime and ours, praise the Lord. That means it's done. And we're going to be in glory. Well, you see, but here's what he tells us now as a caveat. In 6 he goes, be anxious for nothing. I want to stop there. Do you know what nothing means? Nothing. Or no thing is a better way to put it. Be anxious for nothing. See, because anxiousness can be summarized as fear, worry. Come on now. Haven't we all had fear? Haven't we worried? And sometimes we tell ourselves, well, I worry because I care. 
especially if you worry about your spouse or you worry about your children. You know what I understand? Okay, but then even we're told here, don't be anxious and don't worry. Why? Because if you're training each other, husband and wife, and your children to be in the Lord, the Lord will take care of them just as they take care of you. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious about anything. That includes your children. See, that's why it's important as Christians to raise up your children in the goodness and in the, 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 the knowledge of the Lord. That's what they did in the Old Testament. And you must do it too. Then you can have peace. Because look at what comes after that. Uh-huh. If, you're not, if, you're, if you're anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, notice, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Notice that you make your request after you've done all that. You know what we do? We make our request immediately. When we're in trouble, we make a request. But you know what the Lord is telling us? There's a little work to be done. <laughs> Preparation of your mind and of your heart. Okay? So, if we are truly gentle, if we're rejoicing and we're gentle and waiting for the Lord and not anxious for, ever, uh, for nothing, then now in everything by prayer and supplication. You know what supplication means? It means praying with tears, with sorrow. And do, don't we all do that? I think we end up praying when sorrow comes first before we start praying to give praise to God. Uh, seriously. And you know, God is so merciful upon us. He loves you. He knows your frame. He knows my frame. So it's not like he's trying to get you. But you know, the, the, the word of God challenges us to grow up. Grow up, be mature. So if you're really mature, you are really going to take this seriously, okay? Uh, So in everything, everything, every facet of your life, bring that to prayer and cry out to the Lord, yes, but cry out knowing he hears you and that he will answer you. And he hears you and answers you in a way that you may not understand. So you wait upon the Lord, okay? In the meantime, you, you, you live in the Lord. Now see, all this, it means, you know, we, 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 are, we are not understanding that, that uh, this is not in our power to do just by ourselves. Because you see, we all have gifts, right? Gifts as Christians. They come from the Holy Spirit. Would you agree? All you got to do is read Galatians 5. We all have gifts, and they're all different gifts, and they are distributed by the Holy Spirit. So we should never compete with each other. We should always enjoy the gifts that other Christians have. Okay, Not envying them, not competing with them, but knowing that they build up and you build up with your gifts. So our gifts are diverse But one thing that we have to know in in Galatians is that, but we all are to live the fruits of the Spirit, right? But the fruits of the Spirit 
come from the Holy Spirit. You get what I mean? And so you, you, you really can't uh, pray effectively and for everything unless you understand the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And there's a whole <clears throat> list of them. Listen. I like what Paul says first. He says, you know, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Now listen to this. But if you're led by the Spirit, okay, you will not really be in the works of the flesh, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. Boy, it goes on and on, doesn't it? Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Oh my gosh. Envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like. Boy, doesn't that tell you what the world's doing right now? That goes on in the world. Shouldn't go on with you. See, if you're led by the Holy Spirit, okay, uh, your gifts are going to be effective and you're going to see fruits that the Holy Spirit gives you. And these fruits, we all have to practice. Okay? We all have to practice. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay? Paul's trying to bring that out in, in Philippians, right? That's, that's, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. I love that. Now, here is the beauty of it all. You do that always with thanksgiving, okay? Do you thank God daily? I'll ask you that. Do you thank God daily? Or is your prayer life always when you have problems and you go to the Lord and say, please help me, God? Start your prayer life with thanksgiving, Okay, which means that you are mature enough to look at your whole life and say, Father, you have blessed me in so many ways, and I'm thankful for that. Start there. That's where you start. And when you start there, then you can come uh, and make your requests to God. See, all that is a buildup. Now you make your request. And let me tell you what the rewards are for that request. Once you pray to the Lord, uh, the rewards comes because of your obedience. Okay? And what do you get? You get the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? That's, your, that's the reward of your obedience when you pray, okay, in the power of the Holy Spirit for everything. That is the gift of obedience. 
you get the peace of God, which surpasses all of your understanding. Because you know, a lot of times, let's face it, we always want to understand why things happen to us. Well, cut it out. Go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you that you're going to reveal to my mind and my heart what, my, what the problem is. And you, you, you will begin to see some real fruit in your prayer life. And, and so there it is, my friends. And then he goes, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, these things in good report, whether there's virtue, uh, if there is praiseworthy, meditate on these things and learn this, okay? And here it is. So first, you get the peace of God. But now you're going to receive the God of peace. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. First, it's the peace of God that you're rewarded. And it's beyond what you can imagine. And then the God of peace. You see, I just want you to understand. Our God is a personal God. You are his children, sons and daughters. And so when you have the God of peace... Uh huh. He he will be with you. That's wonderful. Well, let me just say, this is a pretty you know uh, easy text. I didn't mean to make it deeper than what it is, but I I just want to read something from Francis Schaeffer, okay, who reminds us that um, our Christian life should not be centered around ourselves. (laughs) Did you hear me? It's not about you or me. It should not be centered around ourselves. So I I would like to conclude with this, okay? He he goes on to say, we should, when we suffer, our, our Lord tells us, that if anyone is to come after us, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Yeah. The more you do that, the more Christ you have. We, we, we should pray, I, I want more of Christ. I want more of his knowledge and his love and his comfort and his protection. Well, you want that? Then do not, he says, put yourself in the center of reality. Did you hear that? Denying oneself means simply that in thought and in practice, we resist our own personal whatever game. We cannot stand at the center of the universe. And when we try to, we must tell the Lord that we are sorry. Do you hear me? When you put yourself in the center. And it's easy to put yourself in the center when, when you're successful, when people, you know, uh, you, you could be successful monetarily, all kinds of things. Everything's going well, okay? The Lord still says, you are not the center of the universe. As a Christian, we must learn to deny ourselves in this deep, profound sense. And I can't do it all at once. (laughs) 
I must have a constant moment-by-moment understanding that God, through the Word, is the center of my life. You hear that? That's what we must understand. And therefore, ah, we have all things in Christ. So, brothers and sisters, um, in, in a short summary, I would say, all things are good. All things are pleasant. All things are joyful. If Christ becomes more and more the center of your life. Praise God.